0: Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe D'Amino. On this episode, we talk with lifelong survivor, Charles Smith. He's a lifelong survivor of multiple and different traumas, including, but not limited, to being orphaned at a young age, being a homeless veteran, and surviving a suicide attempt 10 years before his son was born. He is an inspiration of proof that one can overcome the worst life has to offer and use pain as a building block in supporting others, which he does openly all the time. Enjoy this interview. Hello. hello. Hi, Charles. How are you? What's going on
1: today? Not much. Not much.
0: Yeah? Yeah. All right. Well, nice to meet you. Thanks for taking a minute out. You're welcome.
1: Thank you for having me on.
0: Yeah, you bet. So before we get into your life as a lifelong survivor, one of the things we all had to survive in the last three years was COVID. And I'm curious how you got through that time period and how it's changed the way that you see life and do things now.
1: One of the things that uh, I changed in life during that time was... Pretty much sticking to myself, not um, going out and running any programs, stuff like that, like the trauma Ford program that I had at the time, and going out and doing talks that I've, I've had going at the time, um, I had to quit the job that I that I had which was um working with people with autism I had uh, like a part-time job in the community and uh you know helping them um get to the grocery store or stuff like that but yeah it, it totally changed my life now, now I I'm back in full swing um I just got invited to a uh, local um, author signing, book signing event in the fall, and I uh, just am working now with um, a place called Away Recovery Care, and I'm going to people's houses and helping them with their addiction recovery. So Okay. So...
0: Um. Yeah. Let's get to the brass tacks of what you do I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third graders at a career day And one of the kids looks up at you and says Hey, what do you do for a living? How do you answer them?
1: I help people I support people and struggles in their lives
0: Okay, so let's go back to when you were in the third grade What was your dream? What did you want to be when you grew up?
1: When I was in the third grade
0: In the military,
1: I think If I remember correctly Okay.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, let's peel back the layers of how you got to where you're at now. Tell me about where you were born and raised and what some of the seeds were put in you to not only be a survivor, but to want to help others.
1: Well, I experienced a lot of trauma in my life um, from my mother passing away at five to um, like just last week, I, I lost a client due to an overdose, you know, just so many things happened throughout, throughout the time. And up until my 30s, I really felt like selfish in a way like the world owed me until my grandfather and my uncle passed away a month apart in the year 2000. And I... I went through a really dark, dark depression, running on myself and this and that. And then I was a homeless veteran, and I call that my crucible, being homeless, because that really opened my eyes, and I wasn't the only one hurting. You know, I wasn't the only one um, in pain. I had to look beyond my own pain, as I say And uh you know, the Batman movie. Um, So I... At that time, I really just uh, started um, helping others at that time. Like the veterans around me, I started running a program for... um, uh, about PTSD and trauma and stuff like that.
0: Were you in the military?
1: I was, yes, yep. Okay. Army infantry. Um, basic training was my detox off of uh, crack cocaine and alcohol, yeah.
0: So in addition to you having to get through other people that were lost around you, you've gone through your own setbacks that you've overcome in your life. Exactly. Yes. So drug addiction and just depression, those kinds of things.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So who's been a hero for you? Who's been kind of a bedrock for you to kind of see the light and to get through things?
1: I've had a couple over the years. uh, My uh, my cousin, who passed away in 2016 of an overdose, when I was growing up, he was like my idol. Um, These days, I would have to say it's my son, my 10 year old. You know, he uh, he keeps me on the straight and narrow. Yeah. And, you know, because we need to be a better person, a person, better father.
0: Yeah, they do that. They have a tendency. Oh, yeah. It gets in your DNA. Um, yes. So you had mentioned working with uh, the, the autism community. My son's on the spectrum. He's 18. And um, mm-hmm. I've always have a great admiration for those out there that decide to get into that line of work because I – I can see firsthand how challenging that can be, but we all need the help. And especially in that community with the long wait lists and the needs that are, that are needed out there. It's good that there's people like you out there that are, you know, willing to step up and do that.
1: No, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I was really sad when COVID hit and I had to stop doing what I was doing because I I loved bringing them out into the community and, Helping them do volunteer work, stuff like that. It was great. You know,
0: when when the whole thing started, I had a friend that lived. I'm in Kansas City. Where are you located?
1: Worcester, Massachusetts. Okay, all right. Or
0: Worcester, as a lot would say. Okay, all (laughs) right. So I'm in Kansas City, and a friend of mine about two months before COVID happened said, my kid got a letter in the mail that said that we better start getting ready to take devices home and it could shut down. And with my son being on the spectrum, loving school, baseball is his favorite mm. sport. I just was in such denial. I just threw it out of my head. I was like, there's no way there's just no way. Yeah, and then, you know. Yeah. Of course, of course it happens, but that was the community I think that needed that, that consistently needs the contact more than anybody else. So, That was specifically grueling to go through that. I mean, you know, you got Zoom and you got other ways, but those kids are tactile in a way that's different from other humans.
1: Right. Most definitely,
0: yeah. And Zoom is good and all, but
1: it's not the same.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, For sure. So... What is it for you that is a motivator to do this work? Cause you're not just going out into the world and getting a paycheck and coming home and doing that. You're genuinely in the, in the realm of wanting to help others. What is that motivation? What gets you out of the bed? What gets you through the proverbial day?
1: Well, like my cousin or like, um, my client that I just, that, uh, passed away just last week. You know, those people need more support than, you know, is out there. And I think that, um, with, you know, me being out there and others being out there, like, um, in the place that I work at Aware Recovery Care, we go, we go above and beyond what anybody else does. Like, aware we stay with the client for a year and we, we support the client in their recovery, and um, we meet the client where they're at, and we have such a high success rate. But it's um, it's different than working in a detox or working in a CSS or working in a ATS, uh, extended living, what have you. And I think that's what makes the difference. So... You know, um, I think that's why I do what I do and just try to make a difference, you know, because I had so many things happen to me, you know, orphaned and um, lost over 20 people in my life, uh, you know, drug addiction, this, that, you know, blown up in a, in a tank. <laughs> you know, I've had so many things happen to me that I don't, I don't want to see happen to other people,
0: but your existence almost seems like it's miraculous in itself because you probably skirted the end many times. I have. So, how do you keep that perspective? You have like a spiritual backbone. Do you have an idea of reincarnation, and you're here to do a job? What, how, what, what in the continuum is there? Kind of like a big thing where you're like, all right, well, this makes sense, or is it just kind of murky and weird?
1: It makes sense for me to do it, like, on Memorial Day, a lot of people were saying, thank you for your service. And my reply was, I don't like being thanked, because I think that it's something that I should have done anyway. You know, I I think that anybody, you know, everybody should be doing what we can to help others, and... It's so much different than, like, my life was when I was growing up. Because, I, I, I like I said, I felt like I th- thought the world owed me for a loss my parents or the life that I had before I was even a teen. You know, and not, now I just, you know, I, I think it's natural to be helping people. It's the right thing to do. Yeah, you know,
0: yeah, you know, it's funny. I, th- we're interviewing now because this has been on my brain for the last day. Took the kids swimming yesterday and I'm reading my favorite player when I was in, uh, when I was younger was Dwight Gooden. And mm-hmm. I remember he used to go through all these trials. Well, my wife got me his, his biography. And I've been reading it and God, it's grueling, man. Like I remember hearing the stories of him getting in and out, but him writing it and talking about it. It's wearing me out. And I'm not even done with the Yankee era. I'm, I'm in like 2001 when he got out and Steinbrenner made him a scout and he kept going relapse. He's got this family. He's got all these kids. He's got just so many entanglements, but he can't get out. And then I was thinking it was another summer read I had last, last year. Steven Adler, the drummer for Guns and Roses. Hmm. His mom reached out to me and said, hey, will you review this book? And I read the book. My God, Steven Adler. Oh, my God. The fact that that guy's on planet right now breathing. So I think about what you're doing. And sometimes I think there's an idea if you're not next to someone that's an addict or goes into relapse you don't understand how often it happens you think oh well you know you do it you come out we have this hollywood ending or we have this notion of it only happens one or two times these people are doing it so many times i can't even keep up i don't even know in that book with adler how many times he did it and when he did it it was like like the the most stark thing in there that, that was kind of freaked me out Is i watched the motley Crue documentary Nikki six had the yeah. od and technically yeah. died Stephen adler saved his life and it and it's in the book, because he was up doing the goop with him, and he just had to keep him alive. And I just think mm. about those stories. We see this one side of fame, but the back end is this just nightmare they go through.
1: Yeah, definitely,
0: definitely. You know, so a lot of them,
1: you know, like uh, I I have a book out there on, you know, finding success and what makes people happy. You know, and I, I look to, like, Robin Williams, and I look at uh, a lot of people, Stephen Adler, a, a lot of them that, um you know, they have it all, but they're not happy. And I think that, um you know, that's the biggest problem is they have the money to do whatever they want, but they find alternate ways to Destroy themselves, yeah, and they're lucky to uh, to keep going. You know yeah. Aerosmith. Um, oh, it, the the list goes on and on.
0: Yeah, there's certainly many guys. <laughs> yeah,
1: there's
0: yeah. there's there's a lot of them. So let me ask you this: of all of these people that were throwing out, all of these people that are still alive miraculously, who would you love to mm-hmm. run into and talk to? Who would be a dream person?
1: Gene Simmons. Just because Kiss is one of my favorite bands. And um, I would love to know, like, uh, you know, how they stayed successful through decades of time. And it seems like they didn't go in the, I mean, Ace Freely and Peter Chris did, but Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons didn't go in the direction that a lot of other people did. Yeah in the drugs and alcohol. Yeah, that, their drug was gross. <laughs> right.
0: Right, right. But that's true. They that is a very the big success story because they've managed to escape that arrow, so to speak.
1: Yeah.
0: Um yep, yep. So, um, what's been your best success story? What what's been the best um, story of you helping someone out?
1: It goes back about 5 years ago. And I was working in a, actually, no, seven years ago. And I was working in an extended living place. And one of the groups that I ran there was a martial arts group to teach people, um, you know, how to defend themselves on the street. And I had a guy that was going through a really, really tough time. And he... um, He asked me, Hey, can I just come down and hit, hit the, uh, hit the bag with you for a little bit? And I ended up holding this pad. And I'm, I'm six foot over 200 pounds. And it took all I could to stand there while he just wailed on the, on the pad. And he told me and some other people, that that helped him out more than anything that we were doing in that program, and I, I had I had coworkers coming up to me like, "Hey, congrats on working with him because that was helped helped him out so much," you know. And I didn't realize that it helped him as much as it did until the next day when I started getting all that feedback.
0: Wow. Um, yeah. 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 That's pretty cool. So, yeah, of all of the things that you've lived through, you know, you've obviously gained wisdom because of the things you've overcome and you've seen in your life. If you were to have a dream tonight, the twenty-year-old version of yourself came to you, and you could give that version of you a piece of advice based on the life and the wisdom you've gained. What would you tell that young version of you?
1: I would tell him at twenty years old. Well, I, I would tell him to, uh, you know, pretty much cut the cut the bowl. And, um, you know, you're going into the military and that's going to be one of the pivotal points of your life. And, you know, look beyond, like I said, look beyond your own pain. Because at that time I was seriously, you know, like a horse with blinders on looking at my pain. So I would tell them, you know, open your eyes to a world that needs you.
0: So in your life of having to help others, how do you keep gas in the tank for you and your son and your life? How do you you split that time
1: up? That's not easy at times. (laughs) Um, I would say going to the gym as often as I can and hitting the heavy bag is as I can. Um I don't drink anymore. I don't do any illicit drugs or anything like that. But spending time with my kids, spending time with my friends, um, keeping up with my, my wellness, eating right, doing all that. Because like my uncle used to tell me, if you don't look out for number one, you can't look out for anyone else. You know, so yeah. that that was really like some of the best advice I could ever be given. Look yeah. out for you in a way you have to be selfish, because if you if you're not selfish in that way, then you can't help anyone else.
0: For sure. So for the person that helps everybody that has all these pockets of people around family, friends, clients, you're in control of your life. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are?
1: I think I'm just an average person that has gone through a lot and, you know, taken what he can from it. You know, I, I, I don't look at myself as like, um, you know, anybody special. I, I, I look at myself as the next average Joe. I just happen to be. You know, given the life that I was given and, and doing what I can to make sense of it. That That's that's a lot of what I do and why I help people, because it helps me to make sense of everything that I've been through in my life.
0: So if anyone wants to learn more about you, anything pertaining to your world, where can they go? Where's the best place?
1: LifelongExperience.net. Okay. It's got um my books. It's got products that I I have um all kinds of stuff. The interviews, everything, everything's in one place. Cool. Media outlets, yeah, all that.
0: Okay. So are you a are you a Patriots fan? I am. Are you are you mad are you mad at Tom Brady at all?
1: Am I mad at Tom Brady? No.
0: I all right, okay, <laughs> I like to take a poll. I like to talk to because you know I'm in Kansas City and we got Mahomes homes and we understand what it's like to finally win, so I've just been yeah. curious if if there's been kind of this thing where it's like, you know what man i, I just i'm i'm I just i'm I've been curious
1: right no, so, in life you're to do what you're to do and I think that's what he
0: did, yeah, yeah well, yeah he had, his, he had his
1: reasons,
0: yeah, and for sure, absolutely all, all Yeah absolutely man that game seven was rough to watch the other night
1: i actually missed it good
0: (laughs) it was was bizarre like they just kept shooting threes and doing things that just didn't make any sense and and i know that i think when you get on that stage that level i i think it's hard for the regular person to conceptualize it because there's so much going on there's fatigue and pressure you know so yeah, yeah it was yeah it's wild it's a different life yeah
1: I mean I was just talking to a client about that yesterday like it's not like it was in the days of uh, Michael Jordan and um, Larry Bird yeah and you know all that it's just different (laughs) it is it is Everything's different you know Yeah. yeah
0: well Charles man it was great to get to know you thank you for opening up your world a little bit best of luck with everything I appreciate your time today
1: you too Joe thank you very much I really appreciate
0: it thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino where we cover the world of art, literature, business spirituality, music and more from around the globe if you want to hear more interviews visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts thanks again for listening and until next time